Hey everybody, welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the show that believes in three things, strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. Before we jump into the bracket, I want to go over a couple of changes that have been going on. So uh, first and foremost, you haven't had a show from us in a little while. Uh, I'm not sure of those of you that know, I've had a little bit of some health conditions. I'm back. Like we're we're back. We're getting back to normal. Uh, so what you're going to have this month for um, Boozy Bracketology for this week and next week, you're going to be getting a, a sneak peek at some of our Patreon-exclusive content. So we have a mini bracket that we did over on Patreon in which we sit down and discuss what the best Coen Brothers movie ever made is. And that's what you're going to be getting. Um, as we move into the month of March... We're changing up our format just a little bit. Our format going into this was very, very rigid, as you can tell. So going forward, uh, the format's going to be a little bit simpler. We're moving from two shows a week to one, so the new episodes will be coming out once a week. But what to expect next month is instead of it just being you know two episodes a week, it's just going to be the one. But it's going to be kind of whatever we really want to do. We're not going to limit ourselves to 64-seated brackets. Uh, so effective in March, you're going to see our first 32-seed bracket. Uh, we'll be doing the best Robin Williams performance in a movie, a bracket that my wife, Leah, has created we're really looking forward to. The other small change that you're going to see is that we're no longer putting a a cap on a, 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 a minimum, the amount of participants we can have. Uh, so we'll actually be having anywhere from three to five panelists and the host going forward. That opens up some things scheduling-wise, but it allows us to kind of pump out content a little bit quicker, and it makes this process as a whole a lot more streamlined. Obviously, scheduling for four people a lot easier than scheduling for six. These changes are coming here in the next coming couple of months, but we are really excited for what we're going to be bringing out here Shortly, we've got a number of brackets that are kind of in the quiver. People are ready to go on. We've got the best Broadway musical of all time. We've got, oh, Lord, best Beatles song, best Garth Brooks song, best one, not best one hit wonder, best um, best cover song. All of these are going to be coming in the coming few months here on Boozy Bracketology. So stay tuned. But for the time being, this Mini recording that you're about to hear is quite honestly one of my favorites because you get to see hear some movie people nerd out on movies. This is the first episode in the best Coen Brothers film bonus content. So this is bonus content that you can find on our Patreon feed, patreon.com slash P-T-E-B-B. For those that have the financial means to support the show, that's where you can go. We're dropping bonus brackets on there regularly as well. So... Kick your feet back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the show of strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. And over the course of the next two episodes... I guarantee you're going to hear some strong opinions because we're not talking about anything meaningless like politics or religion. We're talking movies and we're talking one of the best directing duos of all time and picking out their favorite movies. And of course, that means we're talking about the Coen brothers. So to pick the best Coen brothers film, I have assembled uh, 
three people who have seen some of them. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, let's start with, uh, we're going to start with uh, over in Fort Worth, Texas, a gentleman that I'll be seeing in about nine days. Steven, my friend, how you doing? What are you drinking? Doing quite well. I'm digging deep into my cream soda zeros here for a nice, smooth, relaxing time. It's a little off weirdness because I don't drink a lot of cream sodas, but I feel like a little off weirdness is appropriate for a Coen Brothers review. Yeah, off kilter. That makes sense. Off kilter. I'm good with that. Speaking of off kilter, Mike Mott, over to you. Well, there is a beverage here, man. Uh, of course, I have uh, decided to uh, pour myself a nice uh, white Russian here to uh, <laughs> celebrate uh, the Coen brothers. Uh, it had to be done. Uh, the ice is already half melted, uh, and I only poured one. So I do have some beer on hand, too, that I will likely be cracking very shortly. I will talk about it, uh, those when I crack them open. But, uh, yep, it's a, it's a white Russian. It, it, it actually used to be one of my old standbys for a long time and i have not had one in a long time but i forgot how good it is well speaking of forgetting how good it is jeff over to you yeah i like mike have uh chosen the way of the dude uh for my drinking this uh this episode and yeah i'm, I'm half done with it at this point because uh those things are strong but they go fast and the last few uh selections of this episode may get a little bit interesting so we'll, uh, we'll we'll see how that goes yeah well we're starting uh with a couple of play-in games before we get to the actual bracket so this will be a couple of play-in games followed by the sweet 16 and then we'll follow up next episode with the elite eight through the championship we're starting with the first play-in game they're playing for the overall eight seed out of the west region of our bracket we have the movies Intolerable Cruelty or The Lady Killers. And we're going to start it off with Steven. Yeah, these are two films that if you're even if you're a Coen Brothers aficionado, you may have forgotten they even exist. Um, so it makes sense they're in the playoff game uh, or play in game uh, of the two. Um, I think Intolerable Cruelty is the better movie. Um, it's a bit of a waste of your George Clooney, but I feel like The Lady Killers is a major waste of your Tom Hanks. So I'm going to give it to Intelligible Cruelty. Uh, I kind of like Niles in it. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun. It, it's it's all right. It's a waste of Billy Bob Thornton, too, but I think I'm going to get over that. Intolerable Cruelty. <laughs> well, thou shalt not waste your Tom Hanks. We're going over to Mike. This is uh, going to be possibly a rare instance tonight where I find myself in agreement with Steven. Uh, yeah, these are, in my mind, these are sort of essentially two remakes in a way. Lady Killers is a literal remake, whereas Intolerable Cruelty is a remake of just that general kind of Rock Hudson, Doris Day style of film. Uh, to me, I think that Intolerable Cruelty is the one I'd, I would watch, want to watch again more. I've seen the original Lady Killers, like it much better. And uh, honestly, Catherine Zeta-Jones just, she just looks fantastic. And, and to be honest, that's a factor there. And so I'm going to give it to Intolerable Cruelty. Intolerable Cruelty has a second vote. Jeff, do we have a sweep? So this is a, uh, a matchup between a movie I have almost no recollection of, uh, Cruelty, versus a movie I have bad memories of, which is The Lady Killers. 
I think there's there's a, a fundamental problem with casting a an actor as straight laced in you know, America's dad ish as Tom Hanks in a Coen Brothers movie, and and that comes out in the Lady Killers. He's just not believable in that role. Uh, of course, nothing about that movie is believable. Why is an older black woman giving all of her money to a university that? didn't ban that banned interracial dating until into the 21st century uh but you know <laughs> it's the coen brothers universe and everything's a little bit weird uh it's just that the weird in the lady killers doesn't fucking work uh so i gotta give it to intolerable cruelty here intolerable cruelty has won the play-in game it'll be going up but before we do that, we're going to go to the next playing game, and that is over on the right side of our bracket, playing for the eight seed out of the east portion. We have got the Hudsucker Proxy against Hail Caesar, and this time we're starting with Mike. Again, these are two. I think, uh, obviously, given the seeding, you know, we can pretty much accept these are lesser Coen Brother movies. Uh, neither one of which, in my opinion, is particularly bad. Uh, Hudsucker Proxy, I can almost definitely say, because it was about one a year or two before I saw Raising Arizona, was my first experience with a Coen Brothers movie. It was, I was 13. We were able to watch it as a family because it was rated PG. Uh, at least I'm pretty sure it was PG or PG-13. Um, and I, to be honest, remember really liking it. It was I was at the very early part of when I was starting to get into cinema beyond just your standard popcorn fare and kitty stuff that I had you know been growing up on. And I remember really liking it. I've never revisited it since then, to be honest. But I, I do remember liking the things like, um, like Jennifer Jason Lee had kind of that quick sort of his girl Friday type of uh, patter to her, which was fun. I remember enjoying Tim Robbins uh, and Hail Caesar. I saw in theaters. It wasn't bad, but I remember kind of thinking it was just sort of there. Uh, you know, it wasn't. Uh, now, at that point in time, okay, now I know who the Coen brothers are, so I was a little more hyped for it, so it may have been a little bit of an expectations thing there as well, but I think if I wanted to revisit one of these again, it would be the Hudsucker Proxy, so I'm going to give it my vote. Hudsucker Proxy picks up its first vote. Jeff, you're up. So this is one of those matchups between movies where a lot of people seem to hate them. Uh, the uh, um, For Hail Caesar, the the popular uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating on which this, the seating in this bracket was based, by the way, the uh, uh, gets you know, like 40s in the 40s. And for Hudsucker Proxy, uh, you know, it's fairly popular, but the critics didn't like it. I don't know why these movies were hated as much as they were by whichever branch of the, the opining public hated them. Uh, the Hudsucker Proxy, like like Mike, it was my first Coen Brothers movie uh, because you know of, of that age where you know you were you were watching that movie as uh, as a teenager, uh, <laughs> and it was one of the few family movies on this list. Uh, Hail Caesar was one of the more recent ones, and I remember thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, if a little bit disjointed and random, it was still fun. And Hudsucker Proxy was maybe. A little cheesy, but also still fun and interesting and engaging. Uh, 
I think for me, uh, the emotional attachment to the Hudsucker proxy was uh, is going to give it the vote for me. But yeah, I, I think uh, when when these are your eight seats, right? <laughs> when when these two movies are in game, you know you've got some uh, some pretty solid uh, heavy hitters above it. So uh, the uh, it it just signals how interesting and uh, contentious the rest of this bracket's going to be. And that's a vote for Hudsucker Proxy. Steven, take us home. Um, so I agree with the critics for one of these films, and I completely disagree for another. Um, Hudsucker Proxy, I think they're pretty much dead on. I think it's just sort of a middle-of-the-road film, particularly when you consider it against the rest of the Coen Brothers canon. Hail Caesar is a film I absolutely adore. I think it plays uh, send up to that early era of Hollywood so smart and so interesting and so much of what's in it there's things that could have almost have actually happened in the way a really good Coen Brothers movie is where it's playing in this just slightly off-kilter reality and I think Hail Caesar ruins it it's a very good use of your George Clooney I would go with Hail Caesar all the way and finally we get a right opinion Hail Caesar should have won that bracket but hey I'm just your impartial moderator we are moving on to the first part of the main game. Over in our West bracket, we're going to go with the overall one seed from the entire bracket is Fargo. Taking on the eight seed, Intolerable Cruelty. We're kicking it off with Jeff. Look, it was pretty clear from the uh, for anyone who was looking at where this bracket was going that the winner of that play-in game between two mediocre movies was just, just going to get fed into the wood chipper by Fargo. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Fargo is a classic, and it's a classic for a reason. Uh, and it's Francis McDormand's cool, calm presence. It's William H. Macy's nervousness as his entire brilliant plan totally collapses around him. It's the kind of intrigue you expect from a certain kind of Coen Brothers movie, and it does a great job with it. It's uh, tight and well-paced, and there's a reason that this is the movie that put them on the map. It's because it's a masterpiece. Uh, so, yeah, Fargo gets the vote here, and I seriously question the sanity one who picks... Uh, the eight seed over it here. Fargo gets the first vote. Next pick goes Steven. Yeah, I think that's uh that about sums it up. Fargo is a true masterpiece of cinema. Um, it's one of those ones that I probably came to too late in life because I should have seen it as soon as it came out in theaters. Cause it's just something that you need to see as many times as you can, as often as you can over and over again, because it's a really deep, nuanced thoughtful film wrapped up in this delightful dark comedy and dark comedies are an underappreciated genre anyway go see fargo if you haven't seen fargo what are you doing with your life fargo oh fargo picks up a second vote mike do we have the sweep now you all are out of your mind this is clearly no i can't even pretend that this <laughs> that i could possibly in good conscience vote for intolerable cruelty i i i disagree with with jeff on one point i don't think that Fargo is the movie that put the Coen brothers on the map, at least as far as it, he's probably a little bit more right in terms of pop culture 
But I, I mean, obviously they had had, as we'll get into several other critical darlings and, uh, you know, relatively popular films before that. But Fargo is the first movie I remember seeing that I associated specifically with the Coen brothers. We'll get to the, the one that first one that I really fell in love with a little bit later, but, uh, yeah, Fargo was it was a movie that came out really at the right time for me. I I, I was very fortunate to uh, having have seen it. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I saw it very shortly after that, uh, right around the time that it was. Uh, uh, I think just after it was nominated for Best Picture, uh, an award it should have won, by the way. Uh, <laughs> certainly over the English Patient, um, and we'll talk a lot more about it later. But yes, this is clearly Fargo. Fargo gets the three nothing sweep, and we are moving on. Oh, Stephen, you get the pleasure of p- kicking off this next one. You've got the four seed. Oh, brother, where art thou against the five seed of Barton Fink? Yeah, here's where it starts getting hard. Um, Barton Fink doesn't deserve this matchup because Barton Fink is a great movie. It is this perfect sort of film noir meets dark comedy thing they've got going on. It really encapsulates sort of the style that makes the Coen brothers, the Coen brothers. It's probably the most Coen brothers film, but it's not their best film because they're still learning things. There's still things that they need to refine to get to what they're eventually going to get to. And I really, really like Martin Fink, but Oh Brother Art Thou, it's almost a masterpiece. Uh, it's a gorgeous looking movie. The total color treatment that they did on it gives it this wonderful, like amber glow where everything feels dirty and appropriate to that time. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, I've talked a little bit about using your George Clooney. This is the best use of the George Clooney they ever do. Uh, he is just amazing in that role. And the fact that they're basing it off of, the Odyssey, a book that both the brothers uh, freely admit they've never read, uh, and the fact that they still kind of encapsulate it almost perfectly, and they really do a good job with the illusions and thinking deep about that text. And I'm not even going to mention the soundtrack because we got music guys coming up after me, but god damn that soundtrack. I'll just go ahead and give my vote now to uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh Brother picks up his first vote, and Oh Brother, we're moving on to Mike. Steven hit the nail on the head. My my exact thought was, I really like Barton Fink. Damn, this is a rough draw for that movie. Because it, it is. It's It was a very entertaining movie. It was nice to see John Turturro finally get a lead role. Uh, even, though he's, even though he's a great character actor and works so well in those roles, it was nice to see him kind of get that, that front uh, thing. And, and John Goodman, as always, is just fantastic. And in that really fantastically terrifying in that movie it it's it's a jeff said with the the eight seeds of hail caesar and hudsucker proxy if that's your play-in game i mean it's kind of the same thing here if barton Fink is your five seed and if oh brother where art thou is your four seed holy cow but no it is as much as i do like barton fink and i wanted to talk some about that i really do enjoy the movie and how well it captures that period here I also have to give my vote to Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I think that uh, they were firing on all cylinders at that particular period of their career. Uh, they they were just it was it was a phenomenal film. And I went to that movie. I remember going to see it with my dad, and it was playing in the art the art theater 
because it wasn't it wasn't mainstream enough or whatever. So we had to go over to the to the art theater, which was in Laguna Niguel, California. Uh, and I but I remember going to see it and not really having super high expectations, being absolutely blown away at how entertaining that movie was. And as Steven said, yes, the the soundtrack to top it off. I'm not even generally a fan of that style of music, but I could not deny that it was uh it just drew me in in such an amazing way well i've already rambled a lot we'll talk more about oh brother where art thou because it's getting my vote here oh brother where art thou picks up another, picks up another vote and for as as you know contentious as we thought this bracket was going to be we sure have some sweeps going on jeff do we have another yeah i think we do and th- this is an interesting one though because when my wife and i were talking about this this bracket Earlier, um, we were in agreement with the one that we thought should win and that has no chance of winning. We'll get to that in in a little bit here. Uh, But we also this was one of the ones I think we disagreed on because if if she were the panelist here, she probably would have picked Barton Fink because we saw that movie five, six years ago. And she said it still gives her nightmares like it's so brilliantly done in terms of just how terrifying John Goodman's character is, how that just devolves and how John Turturro just kind of blunders his way into this situation. Um, And as brilliant as that is, it's not bona fide. Oh, brother, where art thou is bona fide. (laughs) Bravo. Anyway, I mean, yeah, obviously we'll talk a little bit about Oh, brother, next matchup because who boy that's a fargo versus oh brother Just, what <laughs> um how do you make that decision uh but yeah the, the oh brother is the cohen brothers madcap uh fun side at their absolute best uh it's it's a movie i come back to again and again and again it's one i could just constantly rewatch uh and that's that's it i've said my piece and i've counted to 3 and we have counted to 3 oh brother where art thou moving on to the to the elite 8 we are moving on to the rest of the sweet 16 uh, on the left side of our bracket, the three seed, the Big Lebowski, taking on the six seed, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And this time we're starting off with Mike. Well, since we're at the Big Lebowski, it's actually a pretty good time. I got one last swallow of my white Russian here. Ah, that's a good Caucasian. Um, and I'm going to pop open a stout at the devil from Straight to Ale Brewing. Because I got very little sleep last night, and I need the coffee, and it is a coffee (laughs) oatmeal stout. Uh, (laughs) I had sort of missed The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, I only caught up to it earlier this week, uh, knowing that we were doing this bracket. Really enjoyed it. Uh, It it didn't go at all where I thought it was going to be. It started with a a very literal bang. I, I thought it was really funny. Uh, I thought it had a great cast. And it was I really enjoy Westerns, so I thought it was a fun watch. <laughs> but it's up against the Big Lebowski. I'm sorry. Like, I all, I almost even debated. I was like, do I need to watch this movie? I, I, I'll do it. But I love the Big Lebowski. Absolutely love the Big Lebowski. And uh, oh, Jeff, why did you have to go talking about the next round? Because the next round... 
this round is bad. The next round is going to be just impossible. But no, obviously, I brought a white Russian to this uh, particular episode for a reason. The Big Lebowski is a movie that, I'll be honest, the first time I saw it, didn't get it, actually kind of fell asleep. And I'm so glad that I gave that movie a second chance because once I understood that I wasn't really because I was I, I couldn't follow what was going on. And once I understood I didn't really need to <laughs> like that wasn't even the point and just enjoying the, the whole thing. And oh, Big Lebowski is just fantastic. And uh, it's good. They shine, shine a light on In-N-Out Burger because that's a good burger. Big Lebowski picks up a vote. Next pick here goes to Jeff. Five Guys is better. And let's uh, just totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs is, is okay. It's it's a series of interesting vignettes. Uh, it feels a little mailed in at times. Uh, like, uh, well, we had six ideas that we couldn't completely turn into a movie. Let's just turn them all into a movie together. The Big Lebowski is one of the most quotable and one of the most fun to watch and one of the most culturally influential Coen Brothers films. Not just Coen Brothers films, but of films of all time. There are a bunch of people who consider themselves dudists out there who like gather in you know, it's like Kentucky somewhere every year to celebrate their ersatz religion that they've built up around the Big Lebowski. There's a reason Mike and I are fucking drinking white Russians here, guys. It is because a movie and, and a movie that quite frankly not a lot of people understood when it first came out. Uh, a lot of uh, it's a three seed because it was the critical reception was somewhat mixed. Everyone who watched had just seen Fargo was a little bit confused. Uh, but fuck it, dude. I can't, uh, I can't pick anything else but the Big Lebowski here. Sometimes there's a movie and I'm talking about the Big Lebowski here. <laughs> Big Lebowski has its second vote. The next pick here goes to Steven. Oh, Steven, you're on mute. Yeah, technically I wasn't on mute. My headset was unplugged, so that's a completely different ailment I have. <laughs> but anyway, Ew. it's okay if I use up some of my time here plugging equipment back in, because this was a foregone conclusion. Uh, I like segments of The Ballad of Buster Scruggs a whole lot, but it's got the sketch comedy effect of even the best sketches are tempered by the fact that they're next to sketches that aren't as good. And so why some of those are very funny, some of those are very thought-provoking, uh, particularly the Leonisa one, it's not a complete, cohesive narrative. And I enjoy the little bits, but it's not the big Lebowski. I'm not going to talk about the big because, well, you know, it's over. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. You lost Buster Scrub. Big Lebowski gets a vote. Big Lebowski moving on, but I don't think there's anyone that didn't see that coming. We are moving on. To the last pick in the left-hand portion of our bracket, we have got the two-seed of Raising Arizona against the seven-seed of A Serious Man. And we're starting this one off with Jeff. Well, I know we don't have a sweep here, because uh, I know how Mike's voting, and I know how I'm voting. Uh, <laughs> I talked earlier about 
that Beth and I agreed on the movie that should win this bracket are both of our favorite Coen Brothers movies. We both just absolutely adore A Serious Man. It is what I think of as the two sides of the Coen Brothers coming together to make a movie that transcends all of the others. That on one hand, you have the Coen brothers of The Big Lebowski and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and Burn After Reading, where it's this madcap craziness of uh, absurd things happening after absurd things after absurd things. On the other hand, you have the Coen brothers of the, 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 the dark comedy intrigue, the you know, backstabbing and convoluted plots, the Coen brothers of Miller's Crossing, Blood Simple, Fargo. A serious man, a character where you expect this kind of uh, every man in a dark comedy side brothers and places him into just an absolutely totally world and says, here, deal with that. Deal with all of the random absurd crap that life throws your way and see how it turns out. Uh, I think there, there's there's nothing to me more poignant than the fact that the the big rabbi in at the temple the is one of those guys who's just you know always behind a curtain he's the wizard of oz right he's he's totally hiding back there uh this font of wisdom that uh, that larry gopnik just can't get to you hear him speak once toward the very end of the movie when he's uh, he's he's talking with danny the son after his, his bar mitzvah the only thing he says is he quotes somebody to love and lists the, ne- the members of Jefferson Airplane. So you looking for answers? Nah, dude. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I think A Serious Man is an absolutely brilliant movie. One of my favorite movies. Definitely my favorite Coen Brothers movie. Uh, just to move on here, I know it probably won't, but... It's it, there are so many things about it. I could really go on here for about thirty minutes, but I won't. Uh, I'll save you all the trouble um, and pass it along. But give my vote to a serious man. A serious man picks up his first vote. I feel like I want to go to Mike next to set up the inevitable uh, uh, finish, but I can't do that. We got to go in order. I'll see my time if you need to do it for dramatic tension. Oh, dramatic tension! It is, Mike. You're up. <laughs> okay then um i mean i'm not gonna say jeff's wrong in in how i'm gonna vote a uh, little slight mildly curious as to how he he knew uh i might as i don't even remember what what conversations we've had we've had several conversations about a wide variety of movies so i uh, i a serious man is a film that i saw once i really meant to revisit it and after uh hearing you know jeff talk about it i really i want to even more uh so in the in that sense i feel a little bad about about my vote given how given what all all the things that jeff said i remember liking it a lot of parts of it i remember feeling a little unfulfilled at the end like it, it and maybe it was a similar thing. I just mentioned in the previous round about Big Lebowski was a movie I didn't get the first time. I have to see multiple times. I think that's true of a lot of Coen Brothers films, and that does make me feel a little bad about uh, 
just voting the way I am here. But the reason that I prioritized others is because I absolutely adore Raising Arizona. I Jeff mentioned that to two sides of the Cohen brothers, well, Raising Arizona is obviously the madcap side of the Cohen brothers. It's it's still early Cohen, so they're still refining their uh, everything that they do so well a little bit. But I saw Raising Arizona in Cinema Club my sophomore year of high school, and and honestly, my that Cinema Club experience, I really genuinely credit for kind of the future arc of my appreciation of of movies and all that kind of stuff because I got to see so many cool movies in that, and it, I'm really really fortunate that the that high school gave me that opportunity. But I absolutely fell in love with raising Arizona in that, in that class. It it was completely off the wall. It was unlike anything that I had ever seen before. It was absolutely hilarious. And it it just in such off kilter ways. Again, I was about a year or two removed from when I would see Fargo and all, and really understand more about the Coen brothers uh, as a filmmaking unit. But yeah, Raising Arizona, I think, is just such a fantastic movie. Uh, so I am going to give it my vote here, as Jeff predicted, and uh, leave this in the capable hands of Stephen. Well, I'm not sure about capable, but uh, Stephen, <laughs> this decision is literally all down to you. Take us away. No buzzer beaters? <laughs> nope. Not in a mini bracket, no, sir. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, uh, so Raising Arizona... And a serious man. Um, when I put on my objective critic hat and I try to dispassionately score these two, I'm going to tell you, neither one of them is objectively, from a filmmaking standpoint, the Coen Brothers' best film. However, within these two lies my favorite Coen Brother film. And that is A Serious Man. And... I can't tell you how brilliant and how affected I am every time I watch that movie. Because it's essentially, it's a retelling of the Book of Job. And despite what you might have heard in Sunday school, if you actually take the time to read the Book of Job, the answer God gives Job for his suffering is that human beings shouldn't expect any type of justice in the universe. That's not something that God's in charge of. The world can be chaotic and tough, and we still need to persevere despite that. That's the thing that lets us go to a higher place. That's why is there suffering in the universe? Why is the universe unfair? It gives us an opportunity to move on. That's the way you can interpret the book of Job. It's a very strong way to interpret it, and that movie so perfectly distills that to where everything our character is going through is this weird middle place like is his student bribing him or is that just part of the culture is he enrolled in a uh, CD of the, or a record of the month club by not saying things did an accident happen is his weird brother-in-law a genius math guy or is he a crazy dude scribbling in a book it's all never resolved and it's not resolved and i think mike said he was unsettled by the ending you're supposed to be unsettled because it is a chaotic universe and unlike job the main character in a serious man fails his test he gives in he changes the grade essentially taking what he accepts as the bribe he accepts the world 
as a darker place. It's not that it was just culture or he misunderstood. It's that it was a bribe. So he accepts a bribe. He alters the grade. And he, in fact, creates that darker world in which that tornado is touching down at the end to destroy everything. Because he's allowed the chaos of the world to destroy it. And it's such a brilliant, underappreciated film. I love Raging Arizona. It is a wonderful comedy. It is a madcap adventure. It's going to beat most films that it goes up against. But A Serious Man holds a very special place in my heart, so in all good conscience, I have to at least vote it for one round. A Serious Man gets my vote. A Serious Man picks up the upset, the seventh seed, moving on to the Elite Eight, and we're moving on to the right side of our bracket. So in the play-in game, we saw that the Hudsucker Proxy moved on as the eight seed. It's taking on the number one seed from the right, the east side of the bracket, no country for old men. And this particular pick is starting off with, hmm, Steven. Don't have to be as eloquent here because this competition is not as fierce. No Country for Old Men is one of the few films that deserved its best picture. Absolutely no country for old men all the way. Uh, the Hudsucker Proxy was okay. I preferred Hail Caesar anyway. No Country for Old Men. No Country picks up its first vote. Next pick here goes to Mike. Uh, yeah, I, first of all, I do want to just clarify, I did like Hail Caesar a lot uh, as well in the previous round. I kind of, I hate to say I didn't care, because obviously I, I do care a lot about all of these votes. I wasn't super concerned about who moved on in the play-in game, because Stephen mentioned No Country for Old Men absolutely deserved its best picture. In fact, I can say pretty much unequivocally that I recall walking out of the theater having just watched No Country for Old Men, and I recall distinctly having the thought to myself, if that does not win Best Picture, I don't even know why we have Academy Awards. It is a phenomenal film. It works as a popcorn flick to a certain extent while also being incredibly thought-provoking and it unexpected, and it is just incredible. Uh, I know a lot of people complained about the ending. I was literally, when Tommy Lee Jones goes, and then I woke up, and there's a pause, and it goes black, I go, and the movie! Oh my god, that was perfect. It, it was, I absolutely loved it. Uh, and we'll talk more about it later. It gets my enthusiastic vote here. Well, there's no shock there. No Country for Old Man picks up the vote. Next vote, or last vote, goes to Jeff. I have to say I'm not as big on No Country for Old Men as my fellow panelists. Uh, I, th I thought it was a very good movie. I didn't find it to be phenomenal or among the Coen's best. Uh, I, I felt like it. there were times when it dragged a little bit. Uh, and the even though, uh, I mean... Javier Bardem's uh, Anton Chigurh is one of the creepiest fucking villains you will ever see in any movie, and he pulls that up incredibly, incredibly well. Uh, but it's it's still better than Hudsucker Proxy. Uh, I I viewed that Best Picture as kind of a valedictory for the Coen Brothers' career at that point, but. You know, it's definitely a better movie than the uh, than 
Hudsucker and it should move on for a round or two at least. So, yeah, take it. All right, no country gets the sweep, and there's no rest for the wicked because we are moving on. The next pick here is going to put the four seed of Miller's Crossing against the five seed, the man who wasn't there. We're starting this one off with Mike. And just a quick note on the Academy around that time. They were in the give validatory uh, best picture mode because the previous year they had given it to The Departed by Martin Scorsese, which was like not at all a movie that he of his that should have won the best picture for him or his best director. But we're not talking about Scorsese. Uh, that'll be a different and much weirder bracket, I think. But uh, no. All right. Miller's Crossing versus Man Who Wasn't There. I th- these this is an interesting seating. I think uh, I consider these two of the more I guess artsier, if you will, Coen Brothers films. Uh, I think they're generally well seated. I Jeff saying that he did the the um, popular Rotten Tomatoes percentage makes a little more sense here on the seating because I know Miller's Crossing was extremely well uh, received by critics, and of the two, it was the better received by me. I don't. I really like both of these films. I don't love either of these films in the same way as I love a lot of the other Coen Brothers movies, uh, but I do like them a lot. Miller's Crossing sticks with me a little more, uh, particularly the two uh, different scenes that uh, Gabriel Byrne's character has with John Turturro's character. Uh, the first time when he does not kill him and the second time when he has, has a change of I, I i would say a change of heart but as he says what heart uh so i'm gonna give miller's crossing my vote here but these these are two very good i think and i think relatively evenly matched films but i'll, I'll vote for miller's crossing here miller's crossing picks up its first vote we're going to jeff well we we, we have our second no snot deep uh I, I liked both of these movies uh, but I think the man who wasn't there, uh, I remember when I saw it and it was, I believe I saw it in college, actually. Uh, I believe, Mike, you were there. <laughs> we, we saw <laughs> um, it together, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do remember enjoying it a lot more than the reception it got. Uh, I, I felt like maybe the the use of black and white was a little bit over the top but i also felt like miller's i'm not sure how it got the almost universal praise that it got because it was to me just kind of standard issue gangster movie it it uh kind of the coen brothers shorn of Things that make the Coen brothers brilliant, the the humor in the darkness, the absurdity, the comedy, honestly. I I don't think after once during Miller's Crossing. Uh, And and so I, I feel like it's just not up to what they can do. Uh, the Man Who Wasn't There isn't their best film, but it's very identifiably a Coen Brothers film and very – it fits very well within their canon. So it gets my vote. And with that, we have yet another one-to-one tie that we're going to leave up to Stephen to break. Stephen, take us away. 
I didn't know this would become my bracket exclusively. This is exciting. Um, okay. So. Uh, these two films I feel very different about. Um, because, yeah, Miller's Crossing, it, it's not a very Coen Brothers-y film. I, I agree. They're not putting a lot of that extra spice in that you associate with them. The man who wasn't there, I feel like they're almost actively repressing it. They're almost too in love with the classic film noirs in a way that's, yeah, maybe it's just the fact that it's black and white cinematography and they're trying to push it so much into, you know, making it double indemnity or whatever. But it's black and white cinematography and it's not very good black and white cinematography. I think it's probably their worst looking film. Um, so I'm not in love with Miller's Crossing, but I think it's more entertaining. It moves along at a little bit better pace, and it's just better to look at. So I'm going to give it to Miller's Crossing. And with that, Miller's Crossing is moving on. And so are we. We've got two picks left in this portion of the bracket. And we're going to start with the next one here with Jeff, if I'm not mistaken. Jeff, you're choosing between the three seed of Blood Simple or the sixth seed inside Lewin Davis. So one of the issues with using the Rotten Tomatoes uh, scores, and honestly, I used both popular and critics. I averaged the two and then kind of rearranged some things a little bit just to make it make a little bit more sense. Uh, is that the number of critics who reviewed the super early Coen Brothers movies were smaller and somewhat self-select. So the earlier ones are going to have higher critic scores just because the bigger mainstream critics weren't necessarily even writing about Blood Simple, right? Uh, so that to me makes Blood Simple feel a little overseeded here. It's, it's the first Coen Brothers movie and it's one of the darkest um, and honestly, to me, suffers from the same thing that Miller's Crossing suffered from, as I just discussed in the previous matchup. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis is actually, for a movie that's honestly somewhat dark itself, kind of a lot of fun. Uh, the whole weird subplot with the cat, the... Um, <laughs> I don't even know what was going on there, but it was... I, I, dug, I dug it, man. I, I thought it was... Uh, I uh, and uh, Oscar Isaac really, really nailed that role well. Uh, he's he's not part of the Coen Brothers' usual cast, but man, he uh, he, he inhabited it well. Um, I think I'll go for Inside Lewin Davis here. Inside Lewin Davis picks up its first vote. We're bringing the next pick here over to Steven. Yeah, it's uh, it's a long-standing boozy bracketology tradition that if you're having a problem picking between films, you should choose the one that you're going to watch more often in your lifetime. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, there's probably going to be at least one more viewing in my lifetime of Blood Simple. But inside Lou and L. Davis, uh, five, six times out there maybe. It's, it's not my favorite, but it's a lot more fun. and It's a lot more of a casual watch. And I think it's much more accessible, too. Um, you kind of have to be into that you know, whole 
genre to get inside uh, Blood Simple. But I think anyone can get to Inside Lewin Davis. It's better than any actual biopic of any star out there. So, yeah, Inside the Llewellyn Davis. And with that, the sixth seed is going to be moving on, but I want to hear from everybody. So, Mike, give me your opinion. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure whether I was going to be the only vote for Inside Lewin Davis here. Uh, this might be a little bit of recency bias because it was really the glaring, the most glaring hole in my Cohen brothers uh, viewing leading up to this bracket. I only saw it about a week ago when I knew that we were going to be doing this bracket soon. I really liked it. I can understand why I understand why it's seated the way it is. It's not top tier Cohen brothers. It's really enjoyable. Uh, it was for me. I love uh, what it has to say about the artistic struggle and everything like that. Blood simple. Very good movie, but it's come up a few times with a lot of some of the earlier Coen Brothers films before. They always had they they really always had sort of a, a great vision and they they had a great presence on screen, but it took them a little while to truly find their footing, I think. And they definitely try different things. Blood Simple is a film that I really like, but I'm kind of like Steven. It's one of those that I'll, you know, I'm I would would certainly rewatch it again, but if I'm presented with these two movies and I get a choice between which one I'm going to watch again, it's going to be Inside Lewin Davis. I do feel a little bad because uh, Francis McDormand's character in Blood Simple is named Abby, uh, which is also my daughter's name, apropos of nothing. But Inside Lewin Davis is going to get my vote too, and I'll give it the sweep. The sweep it is. Inside Lewin Davis moves to the Elite Eight, and we're going to find out what it will be going up against in a matchup that I feel is going to be uh, a lot closer than the seedings predict, the two seed, True Grit, the seven seed, Burn After Reading, the last pick of the bracket, or at least of this portion of the bracket. We're starting this one off with Steven. So one of the things I really do enjoy about the Coen brothers is their visual style. I think that's sort of the thing that makes them stick out compared to everyone else. And these are two good examples of that. Um, they're both very, very like they pop on the screen. There are a lot of bunch lots. You could pretty much pause any frame and it would be an interesting image. The backgrounds of true grit, that watercolor effect that they're almost doing with the skies. Uh, that is a thing of beauty to the point where it really bums me out when it becomes winter and we lose that effect. Um, but in terms of a better film, like, I, I mean, his Rooster Cogburn is so good that he did Rooster Cogburn for his next three films. Let, let's be honest, what happened there? Um, <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's it, so it, true, it, it, though. It's absolutely true. He's still doing Mr. Cogburn in Hell or High Water. Uh, He's doing them in R.I.P. or whatever that terrible thing was. Um, And here's the thing. I grew up watching True Grit, the original John Wayne version, and that is an amazing film, too. But the Coen Brothers version has the right ending. Like, there's actually a penalty, Mr. Cogburn and Matty Pay, for being a vengeance obsessed that's that's kind of the point of the story up until then and in the original john wayne version like 
the snake bite doesn't do anything, and he just gets to wave his hat and get his horse to rear up and right away. So I really appreciate that they restored the real version. There was a reason to actually remake that film because of that. And Burn After Reading, I, I like it a lot, but some of the jokes just do not land for me. And it feels a couple of times like they're trying to swing for the fences, and they're only, you know, they're, they're giving it the college try, but nothing's happening. So I'm going to go with True Grit. True Grit picks up its first vote. Next vote goes to Mike. You know, Chris, <clears throat> you alluded to this might not be represented as well by its seating in terms of how close it is. This was the hardest choice for me. And to the extent that I li- I'm literally was not 100% sure which one I was going to vote for. And I'm going to acknowledge ahead of time that I, I, I now know which one, which one I'm going to vote for, and it's going to be probably decried as a punt, but I don't care just because I'm voting the way that I'm voting because of my positioning in the voting. I, I, like, I love True Grit. It's great. It's, it's extremely well done, but it is still... It's I don't even want to necessarily penalize it because it's based on other material, but I Cohen Brothers, when they're being original, just pops for me a little bit more. I understand that Burn After Reading is not ranked super high on the Cohen Brothers overall output, but I absolutely loved it. I mean, I remember laughing incredibly hard at that film. I no, probably no more so than unfortunately, but when Brad Pitt gets shot in the face, like that's the fun, sorry, spoiler alert, but I didn't think that you could make a funnier shot in the face moment than Marvin and Pulp Fiction and the Coen brothers managed to do it. It's never funny when someone gets shot in the face, just to be clear, but it it was, I'm sorry. It just was. And then at the end, when, like, when the whole thing just ultimately comes down to yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pay for your surgery and just forget this whole thing ever happened. Like that was that was just like chef's kiss to me. I just I thought the the fact that the whole thing and it just came down to that was so brilliantly absurd. I love True Grit. I won't be disappointed either way that Jeff votes here. To be honest, but just to make things interesting because this one was such a hard choice between two movies that I really really enjoy. I'm gonna vote for Burn after reading here. And it's somewhat fitting that the guy that put the bracket together and has had some controversial opinions in previous brackets is the one making the final pick in the round of 16. Jeff, it's all up to you. Yeah, this is every bit the difficult decision that that Stephen and Mike have alluded to. It's between two truly great movies. uh, And... I really hate to send one of them home. Uh, so let's, let's let's talk about them. Uh, Burn After Reading was an interesting one for me because it was the movie that I had watched the day before my wife and I split up. Uh, and so it, it carried this weird negative connotation with me until I got around to watching it a couple of years later and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, as, as Mike pointed out, the the ending of it, especially just J.K. Simmons' uh, matter of fact, basically saying, oh, so that happened. Uh, <laughs> 
are certain ways to deal with the madcap absurdity of of that portion of the Coen Brothers. Of, and I think the uh, that happened is one of the better ones. It's it was it's so funny, and like a certain rug ties the movie together. Um, True Grit, as Stephen mentioned, is a beautiful film. Uh, a probably a better adaptation of Charles Portis's uh, novel than the uh, John Wayne movie. Uh, I'm not a huge John Wayne fan anyway. Uh, I know. I think I liked The Searchers, maybe, uh, and have found him kind of hackish in most of uh, the other things he does, whether on or off the screen. So having that remade with a bunch of actors and and really uh i remember out of the theater thinking wow that was a great movie i just saw a great movie and then just haven't necessarily given a second thought since uh whereas there are certain things about burn after reading that do keep coming back to me and i guess that's what i have to decide on is that does this movie keep coming back to me are there things about it that, that 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 spoke to me on a level beyond the special wow that was a great movie response? I, I think a certain amount of this the the almost nihilist absurdity of Burn After Reading spoke to me. Uh, the to the extent that now every time I say I'm going out for a bike ride. I tell my wife, I'm going out for a bike ride. I kind of feel like George Clooney saying, I'm going, going to get a run in. <laughs> the, so I, I, I've, got to, I've got to toss it to, to Burn After Reading here because I, I just think it's the more complete and more Coen brothers movie. The movie that just has a little bit more to say, I guess, than, than True Grit does. Even though, you know, taking nothing away from True Grit and just says so much about how difficult this bracket is to to make the in terms of making some of these decisions that true grits going home without even so much as a win uh but i i've i've really got to toss my vote to to burn after reading here and with that burn after reading moves on and that brings us to the end of the episode just just to recap here real quick your elite eight looks like this Fargo will take on Oh Brother Where Art Thou. The Big Lebowski will take on A Serious Man. No Country for Old Men against Miller's Crossing. And then Inside Lewin Davis takes on Burn After Reading. This is going to get tough. We'll see you next week with the final episode in the best Coen Brothers movie bracket for Boozy Bracketology. I have been Chris. I've been Steven. I'm Mike. And I'm Jeff. We will see you next week. Have a good one.